Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. What we are going to do in this episode is take a look at several Word of Brandon's, a WAP episode. Yeah, this was, well, I reached out to people on Facebook and was like, hey dudes, what kind of episodes do you want? And someone was like, uh, I like the Word of Brandon ones because I, there are so many and like I can't read all of them. And I was like, same, yes, same. <laughs> that is always the case. There's always more Brandon and he has words. Yeah. And I feel like when you try to interact with the fandom online a lot of times or like read the wiki, there are so many references to words of Brandon that people are like theorizing on top of and stuff. And so if you are unfamiliar, it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. I think that is actually kind of one of the gatekeeping-esque problems of the Cosmere yeah. is that, unfortunately, there's so much information and so much theorizing uh, that it can be a little overwhelming to someone who is new or even someone who's read all the books but just yeah. not been in touch with like, the I feel overwhelmed world. and I host a podcast about the Cosmere. <laughs> but we are not gatekeepers. We are gate breakers. Oh, nice. We are here like to that. help y'all participate in the fandom because that's what i'm all about yeah we're like a new radiant class there's the skybreakers and then there's the gate breakers <laughs> that's us we just kick this stuff down just get out of the way gates <laughs> all right let's take a look we're just going to kind of go through some things that we pulled out we are in the midst of our reread warbreaker is coming up so if you are working on that that's awesome we're going to have a couple of warbreaker slash nalthus specific words of brandon that may help you out during your reread and then look for a podcast on warbreaker in Coming just a few soon. yeah exactly let's go to a question about the latest stormlight archive book which is book number four called rhythm of war not really a question just a statement by brandon about a little sort of idiosyncrasy in the structure of this upcoming book, which I thought was really interesting. He says that contrasted to Oathbringer, which was, uh, you know, definitely Dalinar's book, all of the flashbacks were Dalinar's and a lot of the main action in the book is focused on Dalinar. This upcoming book, Rhythm of War, does have Venli and Eshenai flashbacks in it, but the main story of the book is focused a lot more on another character. And he's saying this is something that just naturally sort of came up. And it is not a person that he currently has scheduled for a flashback sequence. So it's not one of our main people, Kaladin, Shalon, Dalinar, Zeth, blah, blah, blah. So I just thought that was really interesting. And I wanted to guess, who do you think this book is going to focus on? Well, I was very much into the idea of a Venli as our main character and Eshenai as our flashback character. That's kind of what mm, we had thought was going to mm -hmm. happen. And this word of Brandon just throws my idea out the window. I think that we could see 
someone who is very prominent, uh, but not necessarily a like Adolin, for example. Ooh, that's a good guess. Yeah, as our like he's definitely like, you know, one of the core members and yeah, someone yeah, who yeah. we followed. We've even seen, I think, a couple of scenes from his perspective. Yeah, definitely. But I also he's not one of the people who has had flashbacks um in any of the other books. Adolin's just my guess right now, but you know, it also could be something like Rock or any of the other Bridgemen and just kind of go in a, a wildly different direction than what I... I don't feel like it would be a Bridgeman. I do like that idea of Adolin. My guess was Navani. We're just staying tight with the Colins. Just can't get away well, from yeah, it. yeah, they're the main people. But I also feel like Navani would be cool because Navani is like researching and studying Fabrioles yeah, and Spren of, and stuff. Yeah. So combining like her scholarship in that with area. Venleys. Exactly. Yeah. With Venley also being a scholar and having so much um experience with like capturing Spren and relationships and blah blah blah. I feel like that would be a cool combo. I think that's a great combo idea, even if it's not what actually ends up happening. Yeah. I want that <laughs> to exist. Uh great call too with the way that the listeners are kind of capturing and using spren in their forms yeah they're like human fabrials exactly fabrials of a sentient well, not sort human, yes I guess, but, uh, but you parshendi know fabrial <laughs> a parshendi shaped fabrial yeah next question that we have about uh stormlight archive ish you know rashar world questioner asked have other shards made shard blades besides honor and brandon typed a smiley face and raffo which has to be yes seems like a yes it seems like a yes <laughs> you know you know raffo is kind of like the uh ooh, good question of the brandon sanderson universe but yeah i feel like we already know that nightblood is a creation by the people on Nalthus to copy a shard blade. Yeah, but, but I don't know this if that is counts asking as the, the shard. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I think the concept of a shard blade is something that would have been picked up on by other shards. But I think, honestly, the most obvious answer would be cultivation. A mm. cultivation blade. Interesting, interesting, interesting. she would have the most clear connection to the shard blades and right. honor and kind of like know that that's possible. Yeah. Maybe it's not, you know, another mm. shard off planet or on another planet, a but cultivation. I feel like would she be able to create a weapon though? Mm, that's a good question. Maybe it's like a, a rake or <laughs> a hoe. <laughs> yeah. For uh, all those chair for gardeners. gardening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has like cultivation shears <laughs> <laughs> i would be very interested how we've seen dalinar and adolin ask the question why are there only weapons why are there only yeah how come we don't war? have any shard shovels yeah exactly so maybe that's what cultivation has been working on some shard shovels uh and that would be amazing. <laughs> Comes out with an army of uh, just a shard-bearing farmer with yes. all these like huge, powerful farming tools. It's how they get to the next step of like industrial uh, yeah, terraforming. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. 
completely change the planet or something with their... Yeah, forget Fabrials. <laughs> just go straight for that cultivation shard shovel. <laughs> Although, technically speaking, the Spren blades do not have to be in the shape of a blade. You can right. have the shard fork, the True. shard stick, uh, and... Yeah, staff. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't put it past uh, someone to create a spren shovel or, you know, just like... Fair enough. Whip that out at any moment. It yeah. It would be really funny if you hmm. just saw like Kaladin just be like, hey, uh, Syl, I need a real good shovel right now. You I just... feel like Syl would just be like, no. Well, well yeah. You can't very... use me to be a shovel. Yeah, I refuse. Honor spren-y. Uh, <laughs> you know, very proud and uppity a little bit. But, uh, you know... Wendell would be like, yes, shovel exactly. with me, like, please. That's his dream. <laughs> I don't have to hit anyone. <laughs> okay, moving on to our next sort of section here. Words of Brandon all about Warbreaker World, Nalthus, to kind of prep for our upcoming uh, episode on Warbreaker. Question. Did whoever wrote The Way of Kings have access or exposure to biochromatic breath? There was a scene in chapter 26. It could just be speaking of candles and breath, but the way that you wrote it made me think that there was some connection. And the answer is there has been longstanding travel between those two planets. So kind of a non-answer answer, but also giving a clear indication that the possibility of our author of The Way of Kings had yeah. visited or knew about uh, and maybe like had done some, you know, long walks all the way over to Nalthus. Yeah, super interesting because we know that, you know, Zahel Vasher has a connection between those two planets, clearly. But I've never really thought like, oh, I wonder if then the reverse is true that a Rasharan spent some time hanging out on Nalthus. Well, remember. And this sounds like, you know, long-standing has been going on for a long time. Yeah, long-standing economic systems throughout the greater cognitive realm that I love so much. Economic systems don't pop up quickly. Like, you got to build that over a long period of time. There was Maybe this is like the beginning of Silverlight. Yes, like something the, like that. The author of Way of Kings and Vasher, both, you know, scholars, got together, shared their scholarly wisdom, founded Silverlight. Now I'm just totally making things up. This but it fanfic. sounds like a good... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've entered into fan fiction territory. <laughs> okay, let's go to the next one. And this is actually a question about Vasher and his movement between Rishar and Nalthus. Uh, the specific question was a little inaudible on the uh, recording, and so we just have Brandon's answer. But the question was something along the lines of, why did Vasher go to Rishar? Or how did he know that he could go to Rishar? And Brandon said, Vasher went to Rashar because he knew ahead of time that you could get Stormlight and how easy it was. So he made his way there because he was tired of sucking people's souls to stay alive. We know that the returned, which Vasher is one of, have their large biochromatic breath that gives them the automatic fifth heightening, but then they need one breath per week volunteered. Uh, in order to stay alive. It is the norm 
that return to only live for one week. So Vasher has been unnaturally extending his life by taking someone else's breath one per week. And in particular, when you consider that Vasher is not like living the life of a returned god yeah, yeah, so go on Nalthus. In some other weird way. Right. Where like you kind of have this excuse of like, I'm your god. Give me your breath. Yeah. Like just as a People rando. People are up like to do it and they're like, please, please, we'll give you my breath, my family's breath, any like amount of breath that you want for all eternity. And the gods are like, no, no, no. I got to listen to this flute player and eat some grapes or something like that. But Vasher has been doing it on the sly. And so that could have been happening. It's got to be even more difficult. Because breath has to be given voluntarily. He can't just take it. Yes. And there's always the question of like, what is voluntary? Yeah. Uh, but I think we're all uh, in that position now uh, under our long quarantine. We're <laughs> asking the question, what exactly what is, is voluntary? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an interesting concept just because it introduces how investiture is universal how he doesn't need a breath specifically. He right. needs investiture. A measure of investiture. Yeah. And it seems like investiture is most easily accessible to anyone across the Cosmere if they go to Rashar and get Stormlight. Pretty much because it just like flies through the air. Yeah. And just comes <laughs> on the back of the, the Stormfather and uh, is spread by the storm. I think this is going to be a big part of the greater Cosmere being more and more connected. If investiture we think is some type of uh, fuel for development, fuel for growth, where we've been talking previously about how the Scadrians using uh, their different magic systems in order to attain something like space travel, maybe it would be easier if there was kind of a, Oh, like like oil, basically. How we use, you know, oil and gasoline to power so many different pieces of technology that allow us to do so much. Basically, you could be using whale blubber like the Scadrians or using something like a coal burning like the Nalthians, but the best, most easily accessible is that sweet, sweet stormlight. <laughs> And that could be like something that is used by all different worlds and people in the future. If it does remain as easily as accessible as it is now, just like oil in many ways. I mean, I think on Rashar, though, you still have the impediment that you have to be a special person to use that investiture. So for the general population, they have to use Fabrials. Yes. So you, for the general population, you need to somehow create a yeah. piece of technology. You still so have to do those things like the Skadrians, put it in some kind of technology to democratize it. Yes, to democratize it. That's a great uh, way of thinking about it. I do love the concept, though, that Vasher basically got tired of living his life uh, on the edge in that way. And Rashar was just kind of easier for him. You know, it's a little bit of retirement. Let the guy chill. He's been living <laughs> around for like 400 years. Just he gets to go to Florida of the Cosmere. Florida <laughs> of the Cosmere. <laughs> which no one would think is Rashar, but is actually Rashar. <laughs> Instead of beautiful beaches and uh, sunny days all the time, it's just that just... sweet, sweet stormlight. <laughs> Next question. So is Nightblood kind of a shard blade? Is Nightblade Nightblood a shard blade? And the answer 
Nightblood is an attempt to make a shard blade using a different magic, and it turned out poorly. Womp womp. We kind of know that it turned out poorly because of Vasher's own, basically like carrying around Nightblood as a penalty or a penance for his failures. I mean, yeah, he can't just leave it out there. It's too destructive. I think this is a great one to follow that last question, though, because it emphasizes that difference between Nalthian Investiture and Rasharan Investiture. Nalthus, you have that added sort of complexity or restriction of having to give it a command. Mm, And that's really where it fails, right? Is like, how do you word the perfect command to make it do the thing that you want to do? Like, they thought they got it right. And nope. Real bad. Yeah. (laughs) And it kind of, um, because the shard blades and the actual pattern of development of the blades is interesting to remember because the first source is the honor blades. From what we know. Yes, obviously this is all from what we know. But the first source is honor blades. And then the spren copy the honor blades to have their radiance get spren blades and then the shard blades are copies of both the honor blades and kind of the spren blades and then night blood is a copy of the shard blades so it also brings up the question of like what is lost each time you are copying Mm, something yeah it's a facsimile of a sham Ooh, nice i like it don't even know what those (laughs) words mean we're just gonna keep on rolling let's continue talking about our boy the vasher and, and his interesting connections to Rashar. Yes, because Brandon also said that Vasher's alias, Khaled. Yeah, remember Vasher has like five different names just, just on office. <laughs> he just continually reinvents himself every time he's like, wait, 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 wait. This isn't the person that I want to be. He renames himself. <laughs> Any chance he may have learned that from our boy Hoyd or Safandrius? <laughs> great point. Great point. Vasher's like a mini Safandrius. I mean, I guess if your life is that long, of course, like, why not? Yeah. yeah you're I mean, like, he's well, a hundred years have passed. Like, that's one lifetime. Yeah. New name, new life. Here we go. Mix it up all the time. <laughs> but his alias Khaled is Rashar inspired. DJ Khaled. Exactly. <laughs> What if Fasher was a DJ? That's what I... Well, he was a DJ of the mini war. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome for that one. The important part of this little bit of knowledge from Brandon is that Vasher had been to Rashar prior to his ascendance in the mini war and that that travel was significant enough to him that he adopted a, a name based on the Risharian linguistic system. Yeah, just like, you know, Kaladin is named after their herald, Kalek. And so Khaled is another sort of reference to that. He yeah. gives himself a Risharian name, basically. Obviously, Rishar made an impression on Vasher, and I think that's what we keep kind of coming back to, is where he retires to, it's where he took a lot of inspiration from, it's where he copied Nightblood from, it's where he got his name from. All of these things point to, in Rishar's past, a lot of importance to Vasher. Totally. So I really want the 
prequel or whatever when like Vasher was going with the five scholars across the uh, mm, cognitive realm yeah. and checking out Rashar. Like what was going on at that time in Rasharian history? I don't know. I can't really place it in a very specific fashion. And I don't know if it's something that we've seen or if it's a completely like dark period, dark meaning we don't know it, uh, period of well, Rasharian there's so history. Much, yeah, there's so much turmoil in Rasharian history they don't know most of their history. Yes. So we only know what they know. And barely. And what that. Chris knows, but. <laughs> okay, here is another one. Question is, when will we learn more about the cognitive anomaly on Nalthus? And Brandon just said Rafo. I put this in here because I completely forgot about the whole concept of there being a cognitive anomaly on Nalthus. Could you Going explain? back to the fact that there is just so much information in the Cosmere, it's hard to keep track of. This question is referencing the star map or like solar system map that you can find in the Arcanum Unbounded. And if you look really closely at the map, you can find this on the wiki too if you don't have the book or you don't have maybe a hard copy of the book. This might be hard to see in the Kindle or ebook version, but in the same orbit as Nalthus going around their sun, there is like this little splotch that says cognitive anomaly. And it's just this like apparently thing that exists in the cognitive realm that is so strong that it is starting to manifest in the physical realm as well. So yeah. fascinating. Could be like a whole planet. Or a moon or something. What if it's silver light? Yeah, manifesting itself yeah. in the physical realm. It exists in the cognitive realm, but because it's like growing, it's starting to become physical too. That would be interesting too, as why the Nalthian system, like what is significant about this system that would allow uh, a silver light or whatever this anomaly happens to be, what would allow it to start manifesting? Is it something with the shard itself? Yeah, maybe endowment. Next question. What are the prerequisites for someone becoming returned? Does it depend on how much breath they have? And the answer, it does not depend on the quantity of breath, but I'm not revealing the specific prerequisites since I need to save something for Nightblood, which is Warbreaker 2. I think this is a fascinating question because that's really at the heart of what Lightsong is also trying to figure out yeah. in Warbreaker is, you know, why me? Why all these other gods that I don't really believe in and don't see them as godly or divine? And they have some in-world theories about why some people return and some people don't. I don't, I don't know if it's really backed up by the actual functioning or like mechanics of the returned though because their idea is that if you die in like a particularly valiant or good well in way, whatever way is required to become returned so light song died in a brave or valiant way my basic point is i think that the one of the prerequisites that brandon is saying specifically he won't tell us for sure but one of them is that there is a connection between how the person lived, how they died, and the god that they become as a returned. 
Well, and that there's a choice because uh, one of the theories of the priests is that, or like of their religion, is that when they die in this particular way, for some reason, uh, the higher power, the shard, we know, they don't know this, but the higher power is like, hey, man, you died in that way. Do you feel like you want to go back? And then they get to choose if they want to like rest in paradise for all eternity or if they have like unfinished business. So it's sort of like a ghost theory, right? That theory of like Casper is here because he has unfinished business to solve. And then once that business is done, then they'll rejoin the power that be. But I feel like if that was the case, why would they only have one week to live? Oh, you mean like in a in the normal sense? I think it's uh, I feel like that's a flaw in their religion's theory. Well, they they explain that away. Uh, they have a built in loophole. I agree that it's a flaw in their theory, but there are plenty of flaws in people's religious theories. I think that they explain that away as a method of faith like you need to have faith that the gods were sent back to do something and your demonstration of faith is by giving them breaths to keep them alive until they decide that they have accomplished whatever they needed to accomplish so it's it's one of those things that i think is explained away from the religious perspective but i agree that there are limits that the returned have that people like Vasher, Blushweaver, Lightsong, all the returned are circumventing. They like found a loophole around what was maybe the right. original plan. So of what I'm endowment. saying is, I don't think that is actually the prerequisite. In- mm. Like endowment is not like telling them, well, you've got business to finish. Like go on back for one week. <laughs> no, what I think is accurate though is the connection to their prophesizing their ability to see the future yeah so i think what could be said to happen because we have seen this from other characters including dalinar including kelsier including vin that when they get a little glimpse of what the shards are capable of it's like an infinite web of possible futures and i believe it's described in warbreaker as like looking at a broken pane of glass, like a shattered pane of glass, and like each little fracture holds a different possible future. That's just another way of explaining the same thing. But I think what is going on with The Returned is something about looking into the future and deciding or being allowed to decide by endowment Mm. that you want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And... After that, I think there's way too much of the perspective that we have so far. And as Brandon's saying, he's not going to tell us specifically until the next book. They invent the theology around what could be as simple as, like you said, an unfinished business ghost-like situation. Like they got a glimpse of the future. They still get glimpses of the future through their dreams. And it's maybe like a reminder of what they came back for. I think we should probably save a little bit of our deep dive theorizing for our Warbreaker. Good point. Good point. (laughs) Let's go on to the next one, which is more Warbreaker. Question. A while back, someone asked if Hoyd's sword is Nightblood 
And you said that was interesting. Is it similarly invested? And then Brandon answered, I'm going to raffo that, but it is a very interesting question. (laughs) Now, we don't always see Hoyd with a sword, but when we do, it's a very thin, kind of like a rapier. I don't know if that was pronounced correctly, and I apologize to everyone who is anywhere close to French, even the French Canadians. I apologize (laughs) to you too. However, the, you know, very thin sword used in like fencing, that doesn't necessarily strike me as a incredibly powerful weapon, but if it's invested, invested. exactly, if it's like a night blood, the question I think is we know that Hoyd is kind of working on collecting all these different types of investiture, it would really make sense if he saw Nightblood and was like, oh, look at this. Cool. I'll do that too. And then, you know, maybe made a better version of Nightblood. It does seem interesting. Like, he already has this invested sword, and then he's going to become a Lightweaver, as we see at the end of double blade like, yeah or well, something i don't now he has two invested swords that would kind of line up with Vivenna slash high marshal azure where she has not a shard blade she has a what we have she has night label well, well she has nightblood 2.0 not. yeah we we've labeled it nightblood 2.0 uh but i think that the the question is maybe who did the inventing first mm, yeah was it hoyd who made this thing and then vasher learned and the five scholars learned about it and were like oh hoyd did this he copied the shard blades we could do that too or is it the reverse where hoyd saw what they did and was like oh interesting or loophole, did they humans. both learn from the honor blades what's the chicken or the egg type of problem <laughs> like is it the hoyd blade or is it the shard blades i love this concept though because nightblood is such an interesting character that we have seen a lot of and even seen some like growth and development from nightblood the sword i question are we going to see that same thing from the azure blade or this possible hoid blade are there some weaknesses compared to a spren blade like would hoid ever use let's pretend that this is like a nightblood 3.0 Again, just for labeling purposes, I don't know the actual order. But let's pretend that he had a Nightblood-like sword. Would you ever use that sword if you had a Sprenblade? Sprenblades seem cooler to me. Yeah, because they have more versatility. But I guess you have to you have to have that relationship with your Spren. Like I am interested to know how this bonding process is going for Hoyd. <laughs> I mean, I guess a live spren is probably the best spren for him to have who would, like, accept him. But could you imagine, like, trying Hoyd trying to bond to, like, an honor spren? And the spren that probably wouldn't is work just out. like, nah, dude, nah. But he's so perfectly set up for a, what's their actual name? It's, cryptic. Yeah, cryptic, not a live spren. They don't like that name. I think that that is, like, a perfect match for him What I would love is to jump down to this question about the nature of investiture, uh, because I think it's an interesting maybe addition to this uh, Hoyd Blade question. Question is, is there a finite amount of investiture? Answer, yes. 
Question. So is Nightblood consuming it? Answer. Yes. Very, very slowly. So my theory, one, I think this opens up a whole bunch of can of worms, but just to keep it connected, my theory is that maybe these blades are serving some type of purpose. The Nightblood, Azure Blade, Hoid Blade, maybe they actually have a role in which we don't completely understand. Now the question of just like, is there a finite amount of investiture in the Cosmere? My original guess would have been no. No, it's just all from the spiritual realm. It's just infinite, just forever and ever. But Mm. Brandon is kind of treating it more like energy in the universe where there's like a set amount. Well, because I think investiture is coming from the spiritual realm, but it's not it's not the spiritual realm. Yes, so there's the always going to be some loss when you're like pulling energy from the spiritual realm into the physical realm, right? If they were the same thing, then they would be the same thing. Yes, but the spiritual realm, we believe, is infinite in its potential. So even if there was some loss from an infinite source, you could pull from it infinitely and therefore there would be infinite investiture. The problem or what Brandon's pointing out, is like, no, 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 there's a finite amount of investiture. There's only X amount. And that, to me, says that there is a hard limit in the universe that I was kind of previously unaware of. Do you think that, would you agree or disagree with my concept that, like, Nightblood or any of his variants, 2.0, 3.0, are doing a job that we maybe are unaware of the importance. Well, I think that's an interesting concept. And before before we came on, Mike, you were talking about it as like a reverse entropy kind of idea or like the concept that in the past there is the Big Bang and everything starts expanding. And then once it reaches its sort of end of expanding, it will all start coming back together. Well, yeah, I guess the the kind of concept would be in our universe, we have this idea of the Big Bang and expansion and basically a state of order going into a state of disorder. And that's entropy. The movement from order to disorder is entropy. And so if Nightblood is kind of collecting all of the investiture... And we see it more as like a right. It's like pulling Ash Ketchum collecting together. all the Pokemon. Like yeah, he is he is getting everything back to where it's supposed to be. Maybe then that becomes a tool to recreate at an Alzium, for example. Like if you have enough investiture stored in Nightblood, yeah, then you can use that in some way. I guess it depends on like is he really storing it? You know, or is he just? Well, he's consuming because, it. Yeah, the phrase so was he, consuming. Yeah, that's different which, than storing. Yeah, which sort of indicates that he's using it as fuel to perform a function, Ooh. you know? So then the energy is being used but is going back into the world in a different form. Okay, I have a question, and this might have been asked already, and I just don't have the answer in front of me, but I'm going to put it out there now. See what you think. Fans, hit us up, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, all the things. What happens if... Lift uses Nightblood. Mm. And she can like funnel. Can she funnel? Mm. 
Because Nightblood would be pulling mm. stuff out of people normally, the investiture yeah. out of people normally, uh-huh. or out of his surroundings normally. But Lyft has this weird aspect of like her consuming mm, I food. I don't think so because and converting yeah. it into Stormlight. In in a way, she would actually be worse. The worst person yeah. to use Nightblood. Because she doesn't have as efficient yeah. use of Stormlight because she has to ingest it. But she's also very low on her totem pole of Knight's Radiant. So may- maybe that changes somehow as she steps I'm sure up. it improves. But I think just as a function of a baseline. the digestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it like more has to go through the physical realm. Yes. So... There's definitely it changes how it works. Loopholes around lift that we have talked about multiple times. I just wonder, is there this idea of Nightblood consuming stuff? Like, how does he? What's an example of him consuming the energy and then using the energy in some way? Like, lift consumes. He uses it to kill people. No, he sucks things from people. Their their investiture, their soul, their essence. Yeah. But then where's the use of that? Where Where is it being put back out into the universe? Because Lyft, she consumes something and converts it into Stormlight. Basically, what is Nightblood converting all of this investiture into? Have we seen that? I think it's just his consciousness. Mm. The awakened state. Oh, like breath. Yeah. Like he, okay. 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 Interesting. Again, hit us up if you have some better answers. We're theorizing on the fly here. Sort of around... That, though, another statement that I thought was really interesting from Brandon, he says, and this is from the annotations on Warbreaker, which if you're like me, uh, you probably haven't had time to read the annotations for every single chapter of the full book. (laughs) But he says, Another note here is that Nightblood can sense where Vasher is. This is because Nightblood has ingested and fed off of Vasher's breaths in the past. When he does that, it connects him to someone. It also, by the way, is one of those secrets as to why Vasher doesn't get sick when holding Nightblood, even though he's not a good person. It's not simply familiarity, though that is part of it. Nightblood has a built-in test. If he feeds off of you and you survive, then you become somewhat immune to his powers. Mm, interesting. Like kind of a antibody uh, resistant yeah. to the Nightblood power. So interesting. It does beg the question, I think, of... Because we know that Vasher has given up all of his breaths. You can only do it as an all or nothing, right? We we learned that in Warbreaker. You can't give one breath away at a time. You have to give everything. And we know that Vasher has if given If you're giving it to another person, yes, but you can store your breath inside of like your cloak and whatnot. Yes, and that's how he oftentimes will uh, flies um, under the radar. Yeah, so he doesn't have to show off how much breath he has. He'll put like 500 breaths into a cloak and be able to store it there. I am very interested if we could get like a follow-up question of if Nightblood is consuming all this investiture very, very slowly, how or is he using that in some way, like Brooke said, to power his consciousness? Uh, Or is it more like a battery? Is he taking in all the investiture and then it's just sitting in him as Vasher would do with like a cloak and holding the breath that way? Good question. 
Let's uh, branch out a little bit and talk about the greater Cosmere. I've been very focused on the Nalthian and Warbreaker universe. This question is as follows. You said at the Starsight release that Adenalsium was intentionally preventing the Spren from accessing surges through Fabrials and other such technologies pre-shattering. Was this a passive or active effect? Brandon says, it was kind of both. The way Adenalsium worked was just the way that he saw the world was the way the world worked. He didn't want the Spren to be able to do that, and so they couldn't. Really, the questions about pre-shattering and what Adenalsium were is kind of at the heart of the larger Cosmere. And this just line about the way that he works is he sees the world and that's the way the world works. Yeah, it's just like immediate. There is no space between Adenalsium like imagining what he wants and the world immediately is whatever he wants it to be. So then follow-up question by this questioner. So did Adenalsium want to die? And (laughs) Brandon apparently made a face with various non-committal hmmings which I imagine is sort of like, and then the questioner says, well, that at least gives credibility to the theory. <laughs> and Bren ends by saying, yeah, it gives credibility to the theory. I thought that was a great follow-up question, though. If the world is exactly the way that Adenalsium wants it to be, then yeah, like what, what about his death? Yeah. yeah. Which is not to say, like, we as humans generally don't like dying or don't like the idea of thinking about death, but maybe if you are an all-powerful, sentient human-type thing, you eventually get to the end and you're like, "Eh, you know, okay, cool. Well, and then connecting it back to this idea of, like, the finiteness energy and stuff in the Cosmere, just like the world that we know nothing can be you know destroyed or created it's all just cycles around if you're an infinite being you're like well i mean even if i'm in 16 pieces like i am still yeah me energy nothing has been lost like i am still here if you are able to perceive things that way and we don't know if that is how things are being perceived by maybe a still present adenalsium it's possible that just what you described is exactly what is happening. And he's just like, you know, I wanted a new form of existence. And we tried this whole 16 thing out. And, you know, some positives, some negatives. But I think I'm going to use my boy Hoyd to kind of put this all back together now. Well, like the uh, the concept of the one, right? The religion on Rashar. Mm-hmm. And isn't that religion also the one that has a concept of like, there's a seven-step path or something? Yeah, what Yim says is, quote, we are Iriali and part of the long trail of which this is the fourth land. Eventually, all will be gathered back in when the seventh land is attained and we will once again become one, end quote. So seven lands is kind of like the final version uh, and that's when everything comes back together. There's this idea of the long trail and that they are in the fourth land or it's so hard to 
understand any religion when it comes to are you being literal or figurative is this the fourth land as in like the physical planet that you are on or is it the fourth era is it the fourth Mm, epoch yeah Uh, is it the fourth time that we tried to do this gathering back together and it's going to take seven times total those types of questions we obviously don't have any real answers or insight to but certainly for this belief on rishar of the iriali they have a kind of concept that seems very similar to ad nauseum in many ways about being one experiencing nothing but knowing everything breaking apart in order to experience and then coming back together kind of seems like that's what's going on but we don't really know if someone like Hoyd is helping that process or just on his own little journey and what the greater point of the Cosmere is is definitely still shrouded in mystery before we close out today's episode, I do want to give a quick shout out and follow up to our previous episode where we asked any physics minded people to uh, to help us out with our mistborn faster than light technology ideas. And uh, Irving reached out to us on Facebook. Thank you so much for giving us a little physics help. He said that he thought our idea about Marasi was right on and he thinks would work, but he was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. He says the thing with mass and time dilation, as you increase in speed, mass increases, but with an iron fairing, you can lower the mass, which kind of breaks the relationship between those two things. And then his idea is that it might be related to fortune which we think is something like being able to see a little bit into the future or like, you know, chance, luck kind of thing. And he said that maybe you could manipulate fortune to abuse a phenomenon called quantum tunneling. And we are not going to pretend that we can break down what quantum tunneling is in a very specific fashion. However, I believe that at its most basic It has to do with the concept of quantum entanglement, and there might be a percentage chance uh, that two very distant quantum particles are entangled, and that you could then use that as like a path to tunnel back and forth. Yeah, I think it's something like if you've read A Wrinkle in Time, there's actually a diagram of something that I think is sort of like this. And it uses an ant on a string and like, okay, the ant can walk across the entire string to get to the other side. Or if you're holding the string on each side, you can move your fingers closer together and then the ant can sort of travel that space without actually traveling the space. So it gets from one end to the other without having to walk the whole string. Yeah, and that would definitely solve a lot of the problems that we brought up dealing with mass and time dilation is if you could tunnel or a wormhole, another way to maybe describe this, Yeah, basically having the outward appearance of a teleportation-like thing where you would step 
into a tunnel on Scadriel and step out of a tunnel on Rishar without actually needing to travel, travel the physical distance. distance. If that or something like that is possible, then certainly the concept of movement across the Cosmere gets solved very, very quickly. But then I feel like that also is kind of like, I mean, if you're just going to do that in the physical realm, why not do it in the cognitive realm? Because the Which cognitive is basically realm still what you has, can do. Well, it has less distance, but it does still have distance. As we learn in Oathbringer, like they True. do need to walk and like the shard pools are far away. And Azure's like, you're going the wrong direction. I need to go to the shard pool in the north. We believe the Horn Eater Peaks. And then the other thing with that, which I think I mentioned to you a while ago off mic, is that as the societies start to develop and, for example, if space travel in particular starts to develop, the space in the cognitive realm is going to increase. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's so much faster to walk through the cognitive realm because the space where nothing is happening and no one is thinking doesn't exist in the cognitive realm. But as people start traveling through that space, it will start like existing yeah. in the cognitive realm. So that stops becoming as effective of a traveling medium. All of these types of things bring up a lot of great questions, and we both appreciate the questions coming in, the assistance uh, from people like Irving, all the people who exist on the Coppermind and who are at the different events where Brandon is answering all of these questions. Of course, Brandon himself gets a shout out, big friend of the pod. He listens all the time. <laughs> we are coming back in just a couple of weeks to deliver you even more Warbreaker breakdowns and hopefully be able to take some of the knowledge we've learned today and apply it to our Warbreaker reread. We are almost a Stormlight Archive, guys. Get pumped. Other Stormlight notes, the UK cover for Rhythm of War has been released. It is amazing. The Call to Adventure expansion pack, Stormlight Edition, is pumping out a bunch of artwork that will be part of their card game slash board game. I think it's got a couple of different elements, uh, but... If you are interested in Stormlight stuff, there's a lot coming down the pipe. Most importantly, we got to finish our Warbreaker reread and then on to the Stormlight Archive. Until next time, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. 